world of e-commerce can be tricky, and that's why you need the experts to help take you to the next level. This is Delivering E-Commerce. Delivering E-Commerce. You'll hear from leaders and industry experts from around the globe, letting you in on their stories and journeys. Your host has 25 years in the retail industry and has been leading the strategy and development of e-commerce sites for 17 years, working with Walmart, Newegg, Big Al's, Rins Pets, and Home Hardware. We think he may be qualified. This is Delivering E-Commerce. And this is Chris Parsons. Hey, everyone, and thank you for coming to another episode of Delivering E-Commerce with me, your host, Chris Parsons. I'm so excited to have Johnny Russo here with us today. Johnny is the Vice President and Marketing of E-Commerce for the Kershey Group. And Johnny, welcome. Thanks for having me, Chris. Really honored to, to be here. So let's jump into your story. Yeah, so uh, I mean, I I dreamed of being on uh, TSN, probably like uh, Bob McKenzie or, or James Duffy. Um, I, yeah, I had a love of sports and um, was actually a really good writer. So uh, I went into journalism uh, when I went as uh, you know in university. I, I figured I wanted to be uh, you know either a writer or on TV. Um, and uh, yeah, so went through university. Uh, at the time, I mean, print was, this was uh, in the early 2000s, so 2000 to 2003. And, you know, print was kind of struggling and digital was making its way up, especially in Canada. Um, lucky for me, I got a, I got a, a job with the Montreal Canadiens. Um, right in, you know, yeah, well, I, I'm actually a Devils fan. It's a long story. I actually don't like the Canadians, but um, <laughs> we, we can talk about that later too. But um, yeah, so I, I started writing for the Canadians and, and it was really my introduction to, to web, you know, to, to articles at the time, which would probably be blogs now. Um, and so, yeah, that, that, that was good for me. But uh, once I graduated, you know, I was mostly an English language um, journalist and, and in Montreal, you know, there wasn't, wasn't, weren't too many jobs. So I decided to move to Ottawa. And uh, figured, you know, maybe that would spark my uh, my writing career or broadcast career. And, uh, you know, it's really hard to, to get in. And, uh, you know, so I, I kind of pivoted a bit and, and I took a marketing job and um, I, I just fell in love. I, I literally, you know, that that was it for me. After two weeks, I'm like, I think I could do this. I, I picked up a few Seth Godin books and uh, started reading Guerrilla Marketing and by uh, J. Conrad Levinson, and it's just like, it got me hooked. So I, you know, obviously my degree was, uh, I didn't even do just a bachelor, I did a specialization, right? I didn't do a major, I actually specialized in it. So 60 of 90 credits came from journalism. So I had to learn really quickly about business. And um, yeah, so, so I kind of pivoted and, and ended up uh, in marketing. And then after two years, moved back to Montreal and, um, you know, started out in manufacturing mm -hmm. and, um, great. It was great to start there. I had a lot to learn in marketing, and uh, thankfully, I, I you know my first project was was hey we want to we want a new website. It's like perfect, good first project for me back in you know two thousand five or something. And so, Daddy, uh, before you get into that, it's interesting that you you took the path of journalism and then you get into marketing and you're hooked on it. Um, but journalism, I think probably great aspect is the communication standpoint because you got to do a lot of communication in, in marketing. And did, did that really benefit? Um, Cause it wasn't too far of a departure. Chris, you have no idea. Like, you know, 
you, you know, like, like I do, especially if you, if you lead people, um, you got to be able to communicate both, you know, above, you got to manage above and you got to manage with your team. And, and yeah, I mean, communication is so important, not just a written word, but how you talk, how you speak, how you inspire. Um, I, I definitely think it's a big part of where I am today. So I, I actually would, would not, re- I, I don't regret that, that, that path, you know, I could have gone into business or economics or, or IT, right. But like in, in, in information systems, but I just, I love that path. And you're, you're so bang on, like it's, it's helped my communication immensely. Um, yeah, I, I think, yeah, it was a good foundation for me. Yeah, that's, that's key. And I think a lot of people, when they, they go to school and they start getting an education, they don't really see how it will benefit other career options. And it's great that you just found it naturally in, in essence. Um, so let's go back to the manufacturing. They needed a website. Yeah. So, I mean, manufacturers, I spent uh, probably four or five years in, in the manufacturing field uh, for, for two different companies, one of which was Patterson. So, you know, obviously the, the large Patterson group, this was for their sign business. And uh, yeah, so they needed a website. And I guess, you know, uh, manufacturing, I always think like if you're new to an industry, like I kind of was to, to marketing and advertising and, and digital, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, great place to learn because, you know, there's long sales cycles and, and it's not like the retail pressure of now, now, now. And so I thought it was a great way to learn. And, you know, I, I was still, you know, I was sold on manufacturing, but then I, I, I got a job at a startup company. So tech. Mm-hmm. And I said, boy, this is fast paced. And um, if you can tell, like, uh, by my personality already, like, I, I, I like that aspect. I like fast paced. I like to move quickly. Um, so I thought that was great. And, you know, uh, I was getting married at the time and, and startups, as you know, I mean, they're, they're really unpredictable and, and cash flow rules. Um, but, but, you know, uh, I had a great boss who's like, Hey, you know, we're running out of cash here. So if you have another opportunity, I, I would suggest to take it. And um, I'd spoken to Buffalo on and on, Buffalo Jeans, on and off and on. And, you know, we left them like, let me go on my honeymoon. I'll come back and then we'll, we'll chat again. And that was really my start of retail with, with Buffalo. And um, really early on there, you know, I, I took a role of, of uh, managing digital marketing. Uh, and then it became like digital marketing and e-commerce. And then it became, you know, our, our my boss left. So our e-com director left. So I was doing digital e-com operations, supply chain, merchandise, like I was just in charge of everything, right? That's such a, I guess, an early part of my career, especially my management career. But I, but I just felt like retail and tech, you know, e-commerce combined those two aspects. And and that was it. That was my career. I, I, I found that I'd stumbled upon it. Um, it just happened. And I was so lucky to be on the forefront. You know, what is it? That's 11 years ago. Um Working at, at that, you know, starting in digital and e-com, so uh, it's, it's it's a long time to be in e-com, which is is great, and I'm super thankful for those uh, those moments. So yeah, I got to work with some great retailers along the way. Um, you know, some some like Mex, which was headquartered in Amsterdam. Um, I worked for Marks, which is out of Calgary, so I lived in Calgary for for four years, part of the Canadian Tire Group, and um, now back in Montreal for. Uh, you know, another challenge with with the Kershaw Group, which is a wholesale company in the sleepwear category, trying to go direct to consumer, which is why they brought me in. Tell me, tell me about the journey over to Marks and picking up the family and moving. Yeah, well, so um, at the time, so I was married, I'm married now still, but I was married with no kids. And my wife, uh, who's a physical therapist or physiotherapist, she, um, you know, it's, it's hard 
to just start a new somewhere else with with uh, patients, right? So she stayed behind, and we were doing back and forth, and you know that was part of the agreement with Mark. So I would fly back, you know, once a month. Um, she would come out, and so on. So you know that was probably for about a year and a half uh, we were doing that, and then um, you know we, we uh, she got pregnant. We got we got pregnant, I guess, or she got pregnant, and uh, our first was on the way, and so um, you know went back to Montreal for a bit. Uh, came uh, flew in about three days before the birth, so I cut it cut it close. But uh, yeah, so then we moved together about six weeks later. So my my son, um, he's three now, but he's he was he's been on fifty six flights before COVID, um, and you know now we're all stuck. But but yeah, we we traveled a ton with him, and, and Western Canada is just a great area. And, and yeah, so I had a had a great time in in, in Calgary. Um, so yeah, the family moved after a year and a half. Yeah, and you were doing some great things with the the Marks team. I remember that watching your career. Um, what was uh, probably your fondest memory? Transforming the business digitally, like digital transformation. Um, Marks was a really successful retailer, but heavily into flyers and TV. Uh, you know, about ninety plus percent of their their ad spend or marketing budget was was catered to traditional. Um, and that continued for for a bit, and then I got there, you know, in, at the beginning of 2016, and we started shifting that. And when I left four years later, I mean, it was it was more of a 70-30 split digital, and and now I think it's it's gone even more. So um, one of, one of the things that we did, we we uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge advocate in in not only like having your team on board, but but the partners that you work with, the agencies that you work with, uh, other departments, and and so we actually held a uh, a digital uh, partner summit, um, and what we did though, we, we uh, so we invited basically like Google and Facebook were there together, sharing a room, sharing a stage, you know. So we had uh, a ton of vendors, 4C, you know, uh, all all our core bizarre voice, all our core partners that we knew were going to be long term partners of ours uh, and our own team, and we put them all in a room and we went through our roadmap and our planning, and we we asked each of them for kind of three insights we could develop that year. Um, and you know, one of the proudest moments, uh, for me, cause we, we became a yearly thing, uh, while I was there, but one of the proudest moments for me was, was at night at the bar, uh, just like all these vendors next to each other. Um, and you know, the Facebook and Google guys got to know each other and, and kind of became friends. So, you know, at the end of the day, like this industry is such a sharing industry, yeah. uh, whether you're competitors or not. And uh, that was one of the proudest moments for me. And, and, uh, I still, you know, uh, some of my speaking engagements have kind of been on, on digital transformation and people still reach out to me about, you know, how, how do I go about this? How do I go about inviting competitors? How do I get my team aligned and, and so on? So that was probably my proudest moment there. I love that story. That's a great takeaway for people to try those things. I, I have one that not as positive yours, but I do a lot of vendor rehabilitation when I start with a company and educate them on how I operate and bring uh, folks together as well. But yours is a much more positive approach to that. Um, <laughs> I like that rehabilitation. <laughs> that's right. Um, so, you know, what I, what I, what I liked was, you know, you touch on this industry and how great the folks are in this industry and collaborative. And, you know, at just about two 30 today, I was having a call with Tan beer um, sharing information with him and you know him very well as in, in the industry and we were talking about that how we can we can work for um, you know like he was over at Lowe's and I was here and it's not that we would share trade secrets and we called each other frenemies because we would share we neither of us want each other to fail and we would be able to share enough but not share 
um, any trade secrets. And it was just to make sure like, you know, Hey, this partner, maybe not, you might, you might want to pass on them because they don't really deliver like just those best practices to save each other from, from making a, a misstep. And that's what I really love and appreciate about the industry. And, and you and I, we've sat on different panels before and had side conversations and, and it is such a wonderful group of, of people in e-commerce and, and we're lucky to be part of it. Yeah. And, and Chris, like, first of all, I mean, I, I, I applaud you for starting, you know, a podcast like this and, you know, everyone talks about it. It's like, oh, you know what, I'm going to do a podcast. And it's like, you, you, you did it. And, you know, for me, one of the things that I want to do is, is start an e-commerce mastermind group. Mm-hmm. And uh, like, you're on it. Like I have like 10 or 20 names <laughs> there's people pushing me to do it. And, and, and I just got to do it. I just want to do it to, to help our industry and help each other out, especially um, you know, like you said, it's taking it as in retail and so on. So, uh, yeah, good, good on you though, for actually going ahead and doing this podcast. Oh, thanks. I just, you know what, with LinkedIn, you get so many questions and they were coming in at a, a pretty rapid clip and it's re- repetitive answering the same things over and over again. So hopefully from my knowledge and our, my network's knowledge, we can help a lot of people out in a big way and, you know, just grow the overall industry. We've been talking for years, how far we are behind the U S and I know, we're making strides, and especially in the COVID environment. But if we're more collaborative, I think the overall industry will grow. And uh, I think I think that's the benefit of doing something like this. So thank you. I appreciate those kind words. Now, um, your current role. Tell me about that. Yeah. So, um, like I said, we're we're in the sleepwear category, right? So, uh, with COVID, I mean, sleepwear was a pretty good category to, to be in. Loungewear, sleepwear. And um, yeah, so so my role is really taking a 40-year-old wholesale company uh, with major licenses in Canada, like Disney, the NHL, Marvel, uh, the NBA, uh, Universal, Warner Brothers, you name it. We, we have the licenses, for those, the licenses for those, as well as our own private labels. Um, so taking a company, you know, that was 40 years old, um, legacy tech stack and all that stuff, and driving direct-to-consumer. And um, so prior to me getting there, they had started that journey mostly on Amazon and, and selling on Amazon Marketplace and um, and Walmart Marketplace. So, so you know, the, the, the foundation was there. There, you know, there was a lot of things that we had to, to fix and recalibrate, take step backwards on, on some things to, to move forward. And um, yeah, and, and you know, we're, we, we have eight sites uh, as well. We run eight Shopify sites. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're looking, what COVID did was, you know, it, it didn't, it didn't change or pivot our strategy. It just made us go all in. So, so uh, ironically enough, uh, I was positioned to um, present my three-year plan last April. So 12 months ago and, you know, one month into to COVID or a bit, a bit longer than that. And um, I think it just became easier to get approvals on like digital marketing spend Here's our fulfillment. Here's our operations. Here's the technology we want as our e-com ERP. You know, we want to go Shopify Plus. We want one site instead of eight. We want one marketplace. We want to build our own. Um, so all that type of stuff just became probably an easier, you know, sell um, than pre-COVID would have probably been going through a lot more strings and hoops to, to get that approval. So I think it just quickened the pace. So 30, 60, 90 day plans. How do you approach those, especially coming into a new company again? Um, everyone struggles with those. Like I always say, my first 30 days is finding the bathroom. Like, let me just explore. 
find out where the bathroom is, where's the coffee machine. And I consider that a success. You know, I'm kidding. But ultimately, it is that networking and those those water cooler chats and getting a pulse of the culture and the company. Um, what's that 30, 60, 90 day for you? Yeah, I um, especially when you when you have an incumbent team, when you have a team that's there already. Right. And it's not just you. Um, I listen. I listen and I don't judge for those days, you know, and um, yeah, for at least a month or two, I, I'm, I'm listening, taking it in and, and trying not not to jump on things like, you know, why is that being done? Why are you guys doing this? Why aren't you doing this? Why should, you know, I, I want to listen a lot and understand um, their approach and, and why they did certain things uh, because maybe it's a technology issue. Maybe someone said they couldn't do it, you know, a year ago or they weren't allowed to you know, that company name a year ago, but now now they're allowed or that licensee wasn't allowed Amazon on Amazon, but now they are. Uh, so I want to really understand that. And then um, and then I want to understand how my 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 boss works. Right. What communication style does he like? Uh, is he an in-person? Is he a text guy? You know, all those uh, type of things. And then I want to understand the culture of the company. And, uh, you know, are, do people want more of a, an aggressive, hey, let's go type person to, to drive things? How, you know, because you, you don't want to ruffle feathers, especially the, the first few days, right? Um, the, the other component of that, the first 90 days, that is when you probably have the most buy-in from senior leadership and senior management and your boss because they brought you in. Yeah. Um, and in those first 90 days, you haven't been able to screw up anything. So you, you have the most impact. So if you're if you're going to submit a plan for the rest of that year or for the next few months, or if you want to hire people or if you need new budgets, this is probably the best time to, to ask for it. And and you also get a sense of your boss in that time, right? Uh, you know how willing is he? How much data does he need? Need does he want you to overanalyze things or underanalyze things, or is he an action oriented guy? I think you learn a lot by doing that, and, and that's kind of been my approach. But I definitely listen a lot in those uh, days and I try not to judge and also listen to my team. Right. And, and, and see uh, one, are, are, are they going to be a part of this? Right. Do they want to be a part of this journey because they have to understand how, how I would manage them, uh, what my expectations would be. Um, and maybe, maybe they don't want to be a part of this, but they would get that choice for sure. That's great. And I love the listening as a key takeaway because um a lot of times, and I know people don't mean to be disrespectful, but they come in and they start saying, okay, we should have done this, we should do this. But without understanding the reasons those decisions were made in the past, you come off kind of insulting. And that's not a, an impression you want to leave in your first 30, 60, 90 days is to be this know-it-all. You have to have respect the decisions that were made in the past. While they may not be relevant for today and you can move forward, but at least that understanding and that transparency to you and your team of saying, okay, I've got all the data, but now this is our approach going forward. That's a great approach. Um, now, this one, I, I know you probably read and you're dying for this question. This is the question on everyone's mind. What is your favorite musical? <laughs> so so I got a, I got a three-year-old and a, and a one-year-old. So uh, it, it's Frozen 2. It's got to be Frozen 2 right now. I mean, it's, it's fantastic. Um, you know, it's great. We're in the licensing business too, right? So uh, you know, I, I was looking at P. I'm like, who's going to buy Olaf two-piece sets and Olaf onesies? And my son is in love with Olaf. So I was like, oh, awesome. who's wrong? So, uh, yeah, it's got to be Frozen 2 right now. <laughs> so are you, are you walking around the house now with COVID environment singing along? You know, I, I can't help. Like, I, I have 
uh, I have the Alexa and Google, and I'm just constantly being like, hey, Google, play me a song from Frozen. <laughs> so, it, you great. know, sometimes with, with the kids, too, it quiets them down during uh, breakfast or lunch. So I, I'm definitely playing Frozen quite a bit. Well, thanks for having fun with that question. Um, hey, so as we as we had a, a phone call or a conversation through LinkedIn the last couple of weeks, getting prepared for this a little bit, you dropped some information that you're going to be or are in the process of working on a leadership book. And I really want to spend the next little while diving into that because leadership is so key to success in in business, but really in e-commerce. And um, I think this is a great opportunity for us to share some best practices, especially um, if you're diving deep into this for a book, then let's let's get that knowledge out there. Cool. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think it's start. I'm trying to think when when I started the the idea of when I wanted to do this, but but I'm 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 big on goal setting, and, and one of the things I've always wanted to do was was an author uh, of a book. Um, and so, uh, at first, I was going to write on digital transformation, and then I said, you know, when that's published, it'll be obsolete, like right. so quickly, right? So. So I said, okay, what else can I can I do? And I I, I love leadership, and I, I just like have a craving for personal development and motivation and inspiration. And so I said, you know what? There's not a lot of um, content out there for new managers or middle managers, right? Everything's about the CEO, the executives, and like they already have a ton of experience. So I, I wanted to to kind of focus on that. Is like, how do you become a manager? And when you become a manager, how do you manage people? Because people want the title and they're like, yeah, I could be a manager and you can manage tasks very well. But managing people is a totally different ballgame that not not every manager is, is comfortable with or really good at. Um, <clears throat> so I said, I'm going to do 365 actionable leadership traits that someone could do one per day. And then I thought, well, that might be hard to action one item per day. So I, I scaled it back um, and it's about 105 uh, actionable traits. So I said, you know, there's 52 weeks in a year. Theoretically, you probably could do two of these a week. Um, that's where I'm, I'm at that 105 number. So it's it's written. It's I've gone through twice for editing uh, purposes. I'm going to do one more pass through and then figure out how I publish this. So I'm, I'm working with a couple of book people, just getting their thoughts on, you know, do I go the Amazon route, uh, self-publish. Do I, do I do it digitally, but print out some too, um, you know, We'll see, but but that's really kind of what the book is. So you know, it's it's things like um, uh, you know, starting your day off with a good morning. Right. How many people just like walk into the office and walk by your cubicle, like when when though when that was a thing before COVID, but like nobody says good morning, hello, or or you know how to give critical feedback, um, but but be respectful in it. Um, how to have your team set goals. Right and constantly look ahead, um, and make sure that they're reading <laughs> or, or learning. You know, so it's it's a lot of those uh, traits that are um, you know fundamental to any leadership. And uh, you know, this is uh, I'll just trial and error on, on myself, and also reading uh, a ton, uh, just a ton of great leadership books and, and from great authors. That's great. I, I was fortunate with Walmart to go through a ton of leadership training and they had advanced leadership training. One of the, the best organizations for, you know, as you said, you may have been good at managing tasks and then, then your boss wants to promote you and then you're kind of set up for failure because no one's taught you or and you haven't developed the skills yet to be a good manager. And, you know, one of the things that um, I did when I was first starting out as a manager is 
I manage from my desk. I sent emails and organized meetings and would meet in a meeting room, but I never did the coaching by walking around thing. And when I finally clicked to do coaching by walking around and going and visiting my staff and just checking in on how they're doing at their desks and not having everyone just come to me, that's when I started to have real connections with my people, with my staff and, and, they appreciated it. It was just a simple, like you said, it, you didn't have to get into details about the work per se, but the, Hey, how are you? How was your weekend? How are the kids? I heard you had a hockey tournament this weekend. How did that tournament go? And showing that you actually more than just a boss uh, was critical into my advancement. And I still struggle today with being a leader for sure. It's, it's, it's one of the things I always try to get better at, but um, that coaching by walking around and in this environment, you kind of miss it because you don't have anybody around. I come to the office every day and I feel like I have the third floor to myself, <laughs> um, which has its pros and cons. But yeah. ultimately, I even, I will honestly, I had a, a team meeting this morning at 9 a.m. and I sent out messages just to check in with people on Teams. Hey, how you doing? You know, how is your, how's your week going? If you have any opportunities, I'm here for you. A bunch of people responded back, but my calendar was so busy that I neglected to get back to any of them. And when I got home, I was like, did I make that situation worse by me reaching out to them and then not following up the same day? Did I make that situation worse? So I addressed it this morning on the 9 a.m. I said, hey, guys, I wanted to honestly get to you, see how you're doing in this environment. Um, and I feel I felt really bad for, you know, they all responded back to me. Hey, Chris, how are you? And not one did I get back to until today at 9 a.m. So I think, you know when you're going to do stuff like that, be prepared that you can have that conversation as well and not be distracted with other things. Yeah. I mean, so, so it's funny, like um, you, you almost touched on two of the traits in my book and, and one of them is like, you know, it's Monday morning. Mm -hmm. uh, don't start off with like, Hey, call me. Right. Or, hey, I need this from you today. Like, like have, you know, be, be genuine about it, but like care about them. Right. Like, can you start with how was your weekend or like, call, please call me. Like that's like the worst thing you could probably say on a Monday. Right. And then the other part too, is like one of the aspects uh, about being leader is time. And we're all very busy and, and our team feels it too. Like when we have no time for them. So I, I, you know, I could appreciate where you're coming from is like, yeah, sometimes like meetings get back to back to back. And then it's like, you know, it's 6 PM. And it's like, I didn't touch base with my team. And um, that's a, that's a challenge. And that's, that's in the book too. Like, so little tricks and traits on, on that. And it's really about meeting management too. Um, Cause meetings can steal our time. Yeah. hundred percent. They do, especially in this environment. I've never had um, so many meetings. I, I, I decided to start coming in earlier and I come in for 7am and now my meetings start at 7am. <laughs> <laughs> Funny how that works. Right. So I wanted to dive into what you thought some of the um, leadership essentials are for you. Like you want to touch on some of those, maybe top five, wh whatever you have, but let's talk about some of the leadership essential qualities that you think are, are important for success. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> they're, they're, you know, a, a ton for, for me, I'm going to give you the ones that, I, that work for me, but um, if you manage people, you are responsible to develop them and mentor them. And, you know, you, you can't think just about yourself and your goals and your career progression. Like, it's them now. And their their needs are ahead of yours, right? And, and You almost sound like a parent there, Johnny. So I was just going to say it's just like kids. And you still direct them, right? And you still show them right from wrong. Um, 
but you, you stand with them and you don't always stand in front of them. Right. So I think that's, that's a huge trade. And, and some people forget about it. It's like, here's, you know, my career progression and here's what I want to be. Hey, what about your team? Because when you became a manager of people, you gave up that right to be an individual employee. And, and, you know, that, that might rub people the, the wrong way, but like that's being a leader. And that's the difference between being a manager and being a leader. Right. Um, the other thing that I'm like, I, I hope I'm known for, but but I also speak out against people that, that go opposite of this is really being respectful and being grateful. And, uh, you know, thank yous are not hard, you know. Um, it, 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 you know, especially like if, if, if you've asked someone or, or you've asked other departments to, to help you, you know, with last minute requests and stuff, like the least you can do is be grateful for it uh, or tell that person's boss or, or whatever it is, you know, um, and, and just mindfulness. So being mindful. So we all have bad days and, you know, our employees have bad days and we have bad days. And I always try to put myself in this situation. Imagine I have a bad day and I take it out on one of my employees and that employee is a mom of two kids and she goes home and she's upset. And now she upsets her two kids because of her energy. And then her husband asks, how was your day? And she says, you know, my boss is a jerk. Yeah. It's like, you've just changed the whole family. So I make sure I try to never do that and stay on the opposite. And, and I keep that like, hey, I have bad days. Like I have, I have days when it was like back to backs and I have no time for anything. Um, and I try to make sure that those are few and far between, but just be mindful of your actions and um, you, you don't have the right to take them out on your employees because you, you've had a bad day. And then, you know, I'd say inspire, like inspiring and leading with, with, with passion, um, figuring out what makes your team go, right? Like what are they passionate about? Like one of the things we did recently um, was a 66 day challenge. So it was, it was uh, probably over the holidays into like January and February. <clears throat> so yeah, 66 days. So they had to, do a challenge. So there was exercise challenge, fitness challenges, reading challenges, cooking challenges, like what whatever they got inspired or wanted to do. Um, you know, one of them was publishing video content every day mm-hmm. for, you know, on the influencer side. So, so um, yeah, I try to, to inspire them as best as I can, either showing them or, um, or making them dive in themselves. Uh, honesty and transparency. You know, we talked about the critical feedback, but I think that's, that's key in today's leadership. <laughs> you know, uh, millennials are coming in, younger generations coming in. Um, they, they want that, right? Like it's not, uh, don't, don't play the political game all the time, you know, with them. They, they do not want that. They will leave um, your company and then um, help them find their purpose and, and focus their energy. And a lot of people's, probably over-index on, or a lot some leaders will over-index on people's weaknesses, right? It's like, hey, you're, you're weak at Excel. you got to get better at that. Um, but they might be the best PowerPoint specialist, or they might be great on Amazon, but they, they struggle on the Shopify side of the business, right? It's like, why don't you cater and focus that energy on their strengths? Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe plug in the weaknesses somewhere else or use an agency or a partner for, for those. And um, that's kind of my belief system is play to your strengths. And, you know, I've tried to do that over the years too. Um, just especially the last year is like, I'm going to just focus on my strengths, which is my writing, my passion for leadership, you know, all that stuff. So I've kind of done uh, that and, and, you know, kind of backed up what I've talked about, I guess. That's great. Those are great tips. I think they, they touch on some of the ones I try to 
the especially the inspiration one is I try to make sure that my team is confident. Um, the confidence, regardless of where it, you use Excel, you could be a two today. Um, but if I'm going to sit there and insult you on your being at a level two on Excel, um, it's not going to it's not going to do anything for our staff. So giving them confidence to fail in Excel and grow that, their knowledge base and continue development to get to that level, I think, is our job as leaders. And it's not there to just necessarily point out that they're not strong in these things. It's OK. How do we get you stronger in those and give them the tools and the ability to um, grow? Now, I do think and I always tell people. If you want to really improve, you have to have a hunger inside and you have to be able to manage your own time and your own aspirations that your manager just can't feed you all of the information to do this. There has to be something inside that wants to grow and develop as well. Um, the other piece that uh, I really think uh, we we as leaders can do a better job is, you know, is that I think we actually talked about this on the podcast where especially in the COVID environment is those tools, how do you engage a, a, an associate when they're outside of your space? You can't come over to them. And one of the things that um, I did was um, we had a pizza party and I delivered pizza, individual pizzas to everybody's home. Um, so we can sit there on screen and have our pizza together. Um, now, you can't do this all the time. And it comes if you do it all the time, it, does, it loses its luster as well. But just trying to think of ideas like that that you can do and surprise and delight your team motivates them to to be better and to just care about you as much as you care about them as well. And um, the last thing I'll say on this topic is um, a lot of times people want thank you, but you don't have to deliver that thank you directly to them. If you thank their manager and tell their manager or you know a coworker what a great job somebody else did and that gets back to them, sometimes that feels more genuine and more it feels more um, rewarding to hear that somebody else is talking about you when you're not around in a positive way um, I think those are good good strategies as well good point very good point. Um, the piece is now to get to the opposite managing up and what you want from a, a leader yourself because all of us have our own leaders to report to so what do you look for in a leader uh Someone who empowers me, uh, especially at this stage in my career, right? Uh, I mean, uh, I, I probably wouldn't do well with someone that micromanages uh, every everything I do or, or how I do it. Um, yeah, I want someone who drives me to be better, but is 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 right alongside me, mm-hmm. right? They're not like behind me, or I'm not waiting for approvals for weeks on end. They're they're right beside me. Um, so I, that that's important. Um, someone I can trust. Someone I could laugh with, like you know, kind of like we're doing now, right? Just, just talking. And I've been lucky to have some of these mentors or bosses in my career. Um, but there's, there's something called the, the, uh, the airport test. And I don't know if you're, you're familiar with it, but uh, this is kind of like, you know, so it's, it's, it's kind of like when you, when you hire somebody, but, but I, I put it in the context of my boss too. If I'm stuck in an airport with my boss or an employee that I want to hire, and there's a three hour delay, can I talk to the, like, can we talk work and life and just make that three hour delay kind of fun? And, and that's kind of called the, the, the airport test. And um, that, that's something, right? Like I, I want to make sure like we, we are able to connect on that level, uh, whether it's talking about life or family or sports or work, right? And just keep crossing and, and someone to really get along with. Like I said, I've been lucky in that, uh, that respect. And, you know, I, I think this, yeah, this is a, 
probably equally important as the others, but someone who messages me when sales are up as often as they do when, when sales are down. And you know what I mean by that, right? Like, yeah, like like it's it's easy to shoot the fire and everything when when there's that you know you have that that bad day or something went wrong in the site um, that you can't control perhaps you know but but also the good days are something you know just be equal in that you know if if it's eighty to one when when we're having a bad day and you message like you know I think it's important to celebrate some of that that good too so I think that's that's really important for for me um, along with you know all the transparency and and respect and ethical things but. I think that's just one of the things that gets overlooked is like messaging the good times too. <laughs> it's always so hard though. And I do it myself. Um, celebrating the wins, you celebrate a win for a second, right? Like, okay, good job. And then you move on to the next topic and we got to accomplish this. We got to get, we got to launch dropship. We got to launch this. And you set like, you've just had a, a project you worked on for a year and it's a second of, Hey, good job guys. So yeah, you're hundred percent. You gotta, you gotta find a way as a leader to celebrate those wins and make sure the team knows that you've really appreciated all the work that they've done to get. Uh, and it, it could be a daily thing. Like if the sales pop 20% and versus two days ago where they were just down 30%, you gotta be able to, you know, talk to the team and say, Hey, let's dive into what we did here because that worked. Um, and we can, we can take that recipe for future days. So Johnny, we, we talk about integrity and I think it's integrity on the staff that you hire and, and manage. And it's also integrity on your leader and what you look for on that. Can you touch on both of those? Yeah. I, I mean, so integrity, right? Like I'm, uh, I'm a huge believer in this and, it, and it's in the book. So this is, this is great. Actually, I'm, it's kind of reinforcing the reasons I wrote it, but when, when I'm interviewing people that are going to be part of my team or, or the company, if they ask me to interview for, for other departments, um, I want someone who has my values. They don't have to have my work ethic or my motivation or, you know, my, my reading habits or my exercise habits, but my values. And if, you know, being grateful, uh, don't lie, you know, respect. So if, if I find out they, they say they've been somewhere five years and, you know, they grew e-com sales by a million percent and I look at their LinkedIn and they've been like there six months for me, that's, that's, big X right there. So you're already going against the integrity we talked about. It's like, don't lie. Just if something goes wrong, tell me the truth. So is this employee a year from now when something's going wrong, going to be honest about it, right? Because um, I could work on everything else. I could work on like all the other little bad habits. But if, if right away some of the integrity is missing or values don't match up, um, you know, you're like, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, athlete coming here, but, but I'm very competitive. I've always been very competitive. But there's a difference in me 10 years ago where I was competitive in spite, like I wouldn't care. I would just be competitive. Whereas now I'm competitive, but I care. I'm not going to hurt people, harm people, hurt other departments. Not I'm not putting myself first. I'm not being selfish to get the win because I want us all to win, you know? So those are values in me that have changed. And, and that's what I try to get out of the interview too. Um, so yeah, integrity plays a, a huge role either if you're hiring for a job or if I'm looking, you know, at my boss and, and so on, what I, what I, you know, that relation between us or, or if I want to join that company. Um, yeah. They better have high integrity for sure. Yeah. With, with the integrity, one of the areas I've always had an opportunity with leaders and I try to make sure I'm super sensitive about this one is when you have a good idea or your team has gone and 
someone from the team has stepped up and done something um, wonderful for you, and then you go and report it to the other leaders is not taking the credit for it, right? Like it's our team, but you have to make sure that you acknowledge in that meeting room the person on your team that did it or gave you that thought. And if you're quoting them, you give them credit for it. Whereas a lot of people in our industry, and I don't know if they do it maliciously or not, but the minute they've left the room and got stats from you and data from you, they present it as their own. And when you hear it and it, it just comes across and you're like, gosh, as a person trying to grow their career, it was a great opportunity for them to highlight that I found this component for them. And it, it's just a little thing, but it was one of my biggest pet peeves from, from people that are in a leadership position when they don't acknowledge the hard work from their staff and their people and call their name out. It still looks good on you as a leader, the presenting that information, it's your team. Um, so why not give the credit to where credit's due? Yeah, we we is way more important than I. Yes, 100%. Um, hey, we're like 40 something minutes into this conversation, it's flown by. Um, <clears throat> I wanna give you the opportunity to talk about anything that you wanted to ask me any questions that, that you might have. And also most importantly right now, um, is give this audience a way to connect with you. Yeah, so I, uh, I have a, a blog and a website at uh, johnnyrusso.com. Um, I'm very active on LinkedIn, so feel free to, to connect and, and ask away. And then on, on Instagram and Twitter, uh, Russo underscore uh, Johnny as, as, the, as the handle. Um, I, I do have a question for you because... Uh, I actually added this in, in, in my book because I had forgotten about it, but it kind of came back. Uh, when I was at a previous organization, um, they weren't a big fan of me speaking. Mm -hmm. okay? They weren't a big fan of me doing podcasts and all that stuff. And and again, going back to my integrity, like there are certain parts of me that I'm like, you guys knew I love to speak. You knew I, I take speaking engagements. We had agreed on this already, right? So. And I always got HR and legal and my bosses to approve. But there were certain people that didn't necessarily love it. How, how did you, did you have trouble getting approval for this podcast? Like, what was that conversation? Though? I'd love to, to know about that because it's a struggle, right? It's like, well, are you going to give all our trade secrets? Like, well, no, I'm smarter than that. <laughs> right, right. You know, so honestly, you have to have, when you have look for a place to work, you're interviewing them as much as they're interviewing you. And you have to have those dialogues that, you know, when I decided to do the podcast, I went right to, to Rob and I said, this is what I would like to do. Here's, here's the format of it. While I want to educate people, I'm not going to re like reveal my roadmap to, to how we're going to have success. I'm not going to give away my secret sauce. I'll give as many tips and best practices as I possibly can. Um, and he was fully supportive. And he also went to Kevin, to our, our CEO, to make sure that he was he was comfortable with it. And ultimately, uh, the three of us had, you know, dialogue on this, not directly, but through through our channels. And um, the positive component about doing stuff like this is if people in the industry feel that I'm an expert and I'm hiring and I'm recruiting and I'm looking for new talent, then maybe they'll want to come and work for me. Maybe they're going to want to bring their talent to home hardware as well. And it, I think it benefits uh, the organization. I also think it benefits me personally because I have such a great network and I've learned so much from you today. So I'm now going to take some best practices that I've learned from our conversation 
or from your upcoming book and implement them with my team. So how's that not a win-win for myself and the organization? And I think if we structure it that way, we can have those dialogues. Com the company should be comfortable with us speaking. Um, and I've had them where they're not. I've had them say, nope, you're, you're not going to e-tail. You're not going to go to um, global e-commerce in New York City, whatever it is. You're just, we're so protective and we don't want that. We don't want our trade secrets getting out there. But I think when you get to this level, you're smart enough on what you can share and can't share. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, but it's good, honest conversations with with your with your team um, and managing up and having conversations with, with your leadership. And I think, you know, most people want you to succeed. They're not trying to hold you back. And if you can overcome and understand what their their opportunities are with the with the speaking engagement, then I think we're we can get past any objections to it uh, with open minds. Yeah, and the, the other positive too, and, and this is why, why I got into uh, public speaking originally, um, you get better at communicating. 100%. Right? So if, if you look a year from now on your, your podcast and, and how, you know, you're, you're going to be more articulate and just better able to, to do that. So like that, this is going to impact your, your leadership, your day-to-day. -day. Um, so I think there's some improvement on, on your self-personal development, you know. It's, 100%, because I can't even listen or watch myself now. <laughs> Oh, you're doing great. Hey, Johnny, it's been a lot of fun. Um, is there, there anything else that you'd like to cover before we wrap uh, today's episode up? I, I think no. I think it was, is, uh, you know, I, I, you know, hopefully one, one day can come back and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll chat uh, about uh, e-com and, uh, and, and some other things, but uh, you know, I, I wish you all, all the best with this podcast. I, I'm going to be uh, listening attentively and, and watching. So, uh, you know, I, I really cheer for your success on this. Thanks, Johnny. I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to your book. I want to autograph copy when it comes out. And you got uh, it. We'll, uh, we'll definitely share it with our audience when it does and get you back on to talk about it. And yeah, we can talk about, like you said, tech stacks. We can talk about e-commerce. We can talk about logistics, any topic you want to cover. And as, as I mentioned to you before, I, I want to start having maybe two or three speakers where you can really engage in conversation. Cool. Um, and we'll, we'll organize something like that as well. But Johnny, really appreciate your time tonight. Thank you so much. Enjoy your weekend, my friend, and we'll connect soon. Thanks, Chris. Cheers. All right. Cheers. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Delivering E-Commerce. It's our passion to have on leaders and suppliers in e-commerce from around the globe, setting you and your strategy up for the next level. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from the show. Make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with Chris on LinkedIn at Chris Parsons, on YouTube at Chris Parsons Delivering E-Commerce, and on Twitch at Chris Parsons 1976. Till next time, this is Delivering E-Commerce.